Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Passionate about standing up for all Canadians. The Roy Green Show continues. Another country than than Canada would just systematically shoot itself in its economic foot consistently and repeatedly by opposing a delivery system for a product the country has that the rest of the world wants and needs, which would deliver a tremendous amount of money to the country. What other country would do that? Well, we're specialists in it. A TD Bank study showed that $117 billion was lost over seven years in selling our Canadian oil at a discount to the United States. And why do we do that? Well, because we don't have pipelines that reach ports on the east and the west coast, so we can sell it to international clients and help our Canadian economy and help our Canadian social systems and help Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Frank McKenna, Frank McKenna is the deputy chair of the TD Bank. He's a former Canadian ambassador to the United States, former premier of New Brunswick. Mr. McKenna, thank you for the time, and I hope everyone in New Brunswick will be safe and uh, those floodwaters will cause the minimal amount of damage. Well, thank you, Roy. It's, um, it, it's a very disconcerting situation. Yeah. Now, we all are looking at it, and I know Canadians will help stand up and, and help and provide assistance as they can. Now, your, your study, the TD Bank study, would show that $117 billion lost over seven years of selling our oil at a discount to the United States. Would you speak to that, please? Well, uh, I think that it's consistent with many, many other studies that have been done, some even more recently that point out um, the, the very sharp discount that we're receiving from President Trump and his friends in the United States for our oil because we have no other markets that we can sell them to. So as a result of that, um, oil is discounted between 15 and $30 a barrel uh, going into the United States and big refineries down there. Um, and meantime, <laughs> the ultimate irony, of course, is that on the East Coast, we've got refineries that have to uh, use oil that comes in at world prices. Uh, six, uh, I think it's six to 700,000 barrels a day of oil coming in being exported from around the world because we can't get access to Canadian oil. So it's the ultimate irony that we're paying uh, through the nose at one end of the country and that we're getting hosed down at the other end of the country. Did it surprise you that Energy East was stopped abruptly in the province of Mm -hmm. Quebec, particularly when they had gone through that horrific uh, tragedy at Lac Megantic? Yeah, look, um, ostensibly uh, the reason given, uh, which the government of Canada um, uh, tries to uh, promulgate, is, is that the market conditions had changed for the for the company. Uh, that's not my view. My view is the regulatory burden became so high that uh, no no company could really expose their shareholders to that those kinds of losses. Having seen uh, how difficult it's been to uh, build pipelines elsewhere, as a result, we don't end up with 
um, any access to national oil or gas in Atlantic Canada. Uh, we, we've got a refinery that's stranded there that has to pay world oil prices. We've got a massive investment uh, potential of a, of, a, of a new refinery that could uh, put as many as 5,000 uh, people a year to work for the next five or six years if we could have had access to that oil. A huge amount of wealth uh, destroyed for us uh, because of the inability to get a pipeline to our marketplace. And now we're looking at an extension that's required for Trans Mountain Pipeline that has been approved by the federal government, and all the regulatory uh, I's have been dotted and T's have been crossed, and the British Columbia government is going to the Court of Appeals to find out if they have the the, the legislative power to stop it, and the federal government, I think, is, 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 is just treading water. Mr. McKenna, how frustrating is it to see what's going on with Trans Mountain? Well, it's, it's extraordinarily frustrating, um, I, I'd say, as a citizen, but for our country as well. It, it, it's a, it's a, a clear example of the country not working appropriately. Let's remember a couple of things. First of all, this is not a new route. Uh, this route has, has transported oil for something like 60 years uh, in the existing pipeline. In fact, it's been upgraded five or six times. Uh, what this is is a new fight, not a new route. Uh, secondly... Uh, there are at least 43 indigenous communities in the path of that pipeline that have signed benefit agreements with the uh, with the pipeline proponent. So this mythology that all First Nations are against it is wrong. In fact, it would seem that not even the majority are. In fact, it would be a, a minority that would be. And thirdly, another myth that needs to be exploded is that this is not reducing the amount of oil being produced. On the contrary, oil is being shipped by train. It's also being shipped at pipelines which are so compressed that we're suffering huge discounts. So bottom line is oil is still being produced. Canadian uh, taxpayers are, are, are getting absolutely savage because we're losing uh, tens of billions of dollars a year because we just can't get the right economic rent for our, for our resource. And I think that's just criminal. It really is a head shaker, isn't it, that you have, this, you have all of this waiting. It's all there. It's just waiting to be exported. And it's, it's just a matter of, con- of completing the technical requirements, and, and then you can get at the business of, of exporting your oil at, a, at a world prices and bringing a, a money into this country, which would help everyone. It's, it's a, just a tremendous head shaker, and I'm being polite when I say that. Do you, do you have confidence that Trans Mountain is going to be completed, or do you think Kinder Morgan is just going to walk away and then it's going to be up to Canadians to foot a $7.4 billion bill and still run into objections? Uh, the pipeline's going to be built. Um, it, it just can't, <clears throat> it can't not be built. If, if, if that were to be the case, uh, the rest of the world would look at us uh, literally as, as the country that can't get the things done. Uh, trust me, I just got back from Asia, and, uh, and, and, and I was talking to a lot of investors about LNG, which is something that BC wants. And, and these investors are saying, look, we, we need to see what's going to happen with Kinder Morgan. Why would we take a chance on a province that just can't, can't get things done? Remember this as well, Roy, um, so that people can put it in perspective. If we applied the same logic today uh, uh, for projects in the past, we would not have a Trans-Canada Highway linking our country. We wouldn't have a railroad linking our country. We wouldn't have the St. Lawrence Seaway. We wouldn't have the Port of Vancouver. Uh, a, a lot of the uh, projects which create huge wealth for our country would never be built if you applied the kind of criteria that we're seeing today. 
And, and for that reason as well, we have to demonstrate as a country that we work. We're not just a collection of provinces with veto powers at the at the borders, but we're a country that actually works and that each premier is bigger than his own individual province and also represents a national interest. Um, and if we can't establish that principle, this, this country is doomed to really a second-class existence um, compared to the potential it would have to be a world leader. I spoke with uh, Premier Scott Moe of Saskatchewan twice in the last few weeks. And uh, Premier Mo was talking about the British Columbia effort, Premier Horgan's effort to delay or stop the, uh, the pipeline, the Trans Mountain completion, <clears throat> extension completion. And he said, if the Premier, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm close, said, if the Premier of British Columbia can do that, then the question is, do we have a country? Yeah, well, I can, look, I can understand the frustration of, of the Premier here. I, um, I, I, I'm sure that uh, Premier Horgan is, 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 is uh, principle-driven. Uh, principle um, I have no reason to think otherwise. I think he's wrong on two very, very fundamental issues. And I think as he collects more experience as a Premier, uh, he'll realize that. I, I can tell you, as a young Premier, I was wrong on, on issues that I, I wish I had, uh, had, had a more thoughtful uh, approach to at the beginning. Uh, he's wrong, for example, in, in saying that his interest and his only interest is British Columbia. That's simply not the case. I, I've never had a day in which I couldn't proudly say that uh, I, was, I was a Canadian first and a New Brunswicker second. And I think most premiers are like that. Um, this is a precious country that we have. And surely to goodness, we can pursue our provincial interest while respecting the national interest as well. Number two, the, the sense in one of his recent interviews that every individual First Nations has a veto. If that's the case, then he might as well uh, throw the keys on the table and walk away from his province. The Supreme Court has not gone that far, even though I, I must confess they, they have thoroughly muddled the jurisprudence on this to the point where it's almost impossible to figure out what they're really saying. But if, if that's the case, that means that, that every First Nations would have to sign off that's, that's a bar that, that nobody can get over. And remember, when you go to First Nations communities, you'll often find that it's not just the chief that has to sign, but uh, tribal elders may say they have a veto right as well. We have a project in New Brunswick where uh, all of the reservations have signed off, and two grandmothers are picketing the site, claiming they've got the right to stop it. So you, 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 we've got to have some common sense prevail here now, and, and, and we've got to... We've got, we've got to establish some means of getting decisions made uh, that are not going to be by absolute uh, veto power of everybody involved. Otherwise, every province would have a veto. Every, uh, every municipality might have a veto in the country. That's a recipe for disaster, for gridlock and disaster. So we, we, just, we just can't allow uh, those kinds of precedents to prevail if, if we're going to have a real country. Mr. McKenna, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for talking to us today. Okay, thank you very much. All the best. Frank McKenna, Deputy Chair of the Toronto Dominion, or TD Bank, former Canadian Ambassador to the United States and former Premier of New Brunswick. We'll come back with Mike Smith of the Province Newspaper in Vancouver and CKNW Radio and Mike's column titled Breaking Down Where Your Gas Money Goes.